How Can This Be podcast. Uh, today is last day of June, June 30th. Um, you know, had a had a nice, uh, nice bit of a uh, nice bit of weather here the last few days, but it's kind of uh, kind of turned uh, recently. Got some uh, got some clouds in the sky, but to bring something to brighten up my day, I got head coach of the St. Joseph's College men's lacrosse program, Bill Cosentino, here with me. How are you, man? I mean, now that I'm making your day a little bit better, I'm fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. It's good to it's good to be the sunshine on a rainy day for you, Justin. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. No, I'm I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy you uh, came on and were able to uh, able to do this with me. So you know, a little bit of a little bit of backstory. So Bill and I have known each other for uh, for a few years now. Um, you know, his uh, his his sister-in-law was in uh, was in my wife's wedding, and uh, and vice versa. Um, so they've they've been friends for for a while so bill and i have uh, always ended up gravitating to one another in in social situations there and we always seem to have a good time together don't we man we do it's it's a shame it's usually like uh once a year we get to do that i know yeah it's 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 too bad i mean especially now with with what's going on in the world you know we we can't really go see anybody of any any relation anywhere you know it, it's certainly tough. I, it, it all depends too. Like, you know, you probably, cause you got the kid, you probably don't want tons of strangers around. But for me, it's like, eh, you know, we can have some friends over, put a mask on and we'll hang out. That's fine. But yeah, you know, it's a, but, but you're right. It's just, it's a different time. People are definitely staying home more and uh, it makes things, I don't, I just miss human interaction. <laughs> yeah, no, me too, man. It's weird. Like, you know, I, I think about, obviously I've got a, I've got the child, like you just mentioned, like, you know, thinking about it, like, I probably would have had a way different outlook on it, you know, like a year ago before the baby was born. I'd be like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I might get sick, but like, I'll have a mask on, I'll be able to like, go and see some people stand a few feet apart or whatever. Like, now I'm even afraid to like, do that. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I don't want my, my like kid getting it. You know what I mean? So that's like, it's, it's weird, like how this has kind of changed and, and shaped society, man. So how, how have you been doing with, uh, with the whole thing? I mean, you know, obviously, uh, kind of showed up right when your season was getting going this year. So, I mean, you definitely, definitely took that right up, swept the rug right out from underneath you there. So how have you been dealing with that whole thing, man? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at first I was in denial, you know, when, it, when we, we just got back from California, like March March 7th, right? And everything just started to pick up. That Monday, Tuesday, you started to hear some some teams were canceling their season. And I was fighting a good fight in my head. I was like, nah, man, it's, you know, not going to happen. We're a small school up here in Maine. Like, we're good. And, and sure enough, you know, season canceled. Every, yeah. every spring sport canceled, sending kids home. And uh, I'm not going to lie, it was, you know, for me, it was tough because I am very much uh, a person who likes to be involved with people. I like to communicate quite often and talk and I like to have impact on people. And when you're at home, you know, the only impact I'm having is on my wife and that's convincing her not to kill me. Right. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, that part's been really tough. Cause I almost feel like I, uh, like I was lacking in value. I feel like my value is as a coach and at the college and, and engaging with kids. And uh, that's kind of taken away from me. So it's tough, but now I'm kind of getting, getting a little better here. Uh, no, I've been starting club lacrosse, doing small group training, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, I feel, I feel a sense of purpose again. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, that's, 
that's got to have been hard. Like, I mean, you know, I was, I was scrolling through your, your website, you know, earlier today, the, the St. Joe's athletic site, um, go monks. Um, the, uh, you know, you guys were three and one, you were coming off a, a win out in Cali. Like you said, you're like promising year. You guys have been building towards, you know, towards success. This is your what fourth year there. This is my fourth season there. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been, you've been building the program and you're definitely heading in the right direction until like, <laughs> basically stop on a dime because of you know something like this it kind of is like well like shit like what do we do like how how you know how quickly I guess was the turnaround between like all right well we're like was there any you know we gotta we gotta stop and like we'll see how it goes we'll try to do the th this for like a couple of weeks and like postpone stuff or was it like basically flat out we're shutting it down that's the year like yeah. send everybody home. How, how'd that kind of go down for you guys? Yeah. So, well, <laughs> the situation was rapidly changing every day. Right. So it was like Thursday, the, the 12th of the 13th of March. And uh, we had our practice and, you know, a lot of the guys were kind of half-assing it and, you know, I'm sitting there pushing them and you can hear some of the guys saying, what, what the hell does it matter? You know, we're not going to be here tomorrow anyway. Like they knew something was coming. I was trying to keep it positive. Yeah. And then, you know, Friday morning we get the word that the season was canceled and, it's like 8 a.m. and I, I had all my seniors come to my office. You know, we only had five seniors and a grad student. Um, you know, those seniors started basically when I did. Um, we had a good cry session. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was tough. I, sorry, guys, to throw you under the bus, but men, men can cry too. And it was very emotional because th those freshmen really helped us. Those seniors now who were freshmen that got there, they, they were kind of the foundation, the, the catalyst to, to help us change um, and to have their senior taken away from them really suck right yeah. um so that changed really quickly so we actually squeezed in a final practice that friday afternoon in the pouring rain we had some fun the guys like Can we wear whatever we want so you know we let them some were wearing their old hockey jerseys out there we just we had fun i, yeah. I scrimmaged we, we scrimmaged we filmed and i remember just sta standing there on the ran the sideline the guys are having so much fun and dude i'm not gonna lie i was i was teary-eyed on the sideline because i just love watching them play it's yeah. fun the purest part of the game is just the play and the compete and guys were changing positions and and, and then that was it that, that was Friday um, they were planning on staying on campus and then by like Monday the school's like no we're just sending everyone home and Wednesday was the last day and that was that and they had three days to kind of transition to online learning and kudos to St. Joe's they they hit it, hit it out of the park with it. And the guys by that following Monday were taking online classes. I was doing three zoom meetings a week with, with the team to, you know, keep routine, make sure we're checking in with them. You mm. know, Justin, uh, we all go to college to get, get into a classroom and mm. focus on things we learn. And, and most of us like to be engaged by a professor. Um, these guys are learning online and some of them, they're not, that's not the best way for them to learn. So it was really about making sure they had support and, uh, and, and structuring their day and, you know, we had a great semester. This is the first time in men's lacrosse history at St. Joe's that we had back-to-back -back semesters with the team GPA 3.0, right? So, you yeah. know, I, I think at the end of the day, it, it worked out well, but everyone's itching to get back, right? Everyone's yeah. itching to get back. Now, how do you, like, obviously there are some, there are some schools that have, have been, you know, shutting down fall sports. Like, how does it, how do you kind of feel about, you know, coming back in the, in the fall? Like, do, do you think it's, it's going to be able to happen? Like, uh, obviously we have a few weeks here, a couple months yeah. where, you know, July, August, where we might, you know, something might turn, who knows, but like, does it seem like, you know, there's, there's 
uh, I'm trying to think of the word optimism towards towards yeah. coming back for for next year or or how how is like everybody kind of feeling about things? Great question, man. So it, it varies. It varies uh, school to school. It's going to depend on your region. Uh, look here up in Maine, <laughs> we have a lot fewer cases of COVID and fewer deaths than Massachusetts, where a bulk of our conference schools are located, right? Right. So right now, you, you've got schools like Bowdoin, who already said there's going to be no fall sports, right? Um, and everyone's freaking out. But we've already said we're coming back. Our school set out a plan. Um, our conference is still figuring out what we're going to do, which is awesome, because if they haven't made a decision, that means there's hope, right? Right. Um, you know, and there's been tons of, you know, some schools are going back in the fall and then at Thanksgiving break, they're just going home and do online learning for the last few weeks. Uh, some schools are canceling everything uh, in campus till January. So it really just depends on the school and what they're looking to do. I'm, you know, I'm glad we're going back. The kids need it. Um, our campus is about community. It's one of our core values there. So it's good to get the kids back. They've got great, a great plan in place on, on how to kind of exist with the virus. But the thing here is it's all, relied upon the students actually owning it and keeping their face masks on when they're in the classroom or in, yeah. you know, certain public areas at campus. It's going to be really tough for that, but I'm hopeful, man. I, I think, I think what you could see is a cancellation just in general. I'm talking in general of conference tournaments and, and play and mm -hmm. more so uh, non-conference games. So like, let's say for example, the GNAC, which is our conference, great Northeast athletic conference decides, Hey, look, we got too many schools in Massachusetts. A lot of them aren't going back, whatever it is. I, I honestly don't know. We can't do a conference because half the conference isn't there. Okay. Right. But Hey, maybe you could do non-conference. Maybe we're just playing all main teams in the fall. There's plenty of colleges in Maine, you mm -hmm. know, Bowdoin, Bates, Colby, Maine Maritime, Huston. So th there's plenty of teams, UNE, uh, to play. Or maybe it's just opened up to the teams in New Hampshire, Vermont, and, and Maine, right? Mm -hmm. I think you could see something along those lines. But, you know, that's just uh, that's just thinking outside the box. I think ultimately a lot of these colleges, just, you know, small schools, man, like athletics yeah. is, is a lifeline. It's, it's, it's a big part of the campus community. And it's a big reason kids are going to college. Like, let's, let's call it what it is. Like, education yeah. is absolutely important. But if a kid can also play a sport and get their education, they're going to want to do that. And, and St. Joe's is a place like that. A lot of small schools are. So, uh, you know, we're doing everything we can. I know our, our presidents of, of our schools are in conversations. They're doing everything they can to, to get us back to, to whatever normalcy is going to look like. Right. Yeah. No. And in, in saying that, you know, the, the small school, the athletics really drive the enrollment at like, especially at a private school, like, like St. Joe's, you know, uh, there's been, talk obviously some of these some of these places won't survive this just because their numbers are so like flimsy outside of outside of athletics it's like wow we can't I don't know if we're gonna be able to come back we can't we're canceling fall sports I don't know if our school's gonna be open it's it's just one of those things like you know being being a school that relies heavily upon athletics is tough in the situation especially when you get a cancel in the fall and like you were just saying you know, your, your guys, your last practice, it was basically, you were just waiting for the, the call, like, Hey, we're sending everybody home. And they were having a great time. Like these are guys that, that, you know, they're not there on, on athletic scholarship. They just love to play the sport. It's, you know, it's one of those, it's just one of those things where it's, it's, it's much more enjoyable to, you know, be in a classroom and be around your friends and than it is to, 
oh yeah hey do you know uh, we're communicating on discussion boards like or texting your buddy like hey i we're in this same class together like you want to compare notes like why don't why don't like it's different from from getting to sit next to one another in the in the classroom man it's it's wild to think like i I couldn't have functioned like that you know i was able to do i was able to do i got you know i got my master's online but i was older you know, I was, I just, yeah, it's a lot different. Yeah. I wrapped it up when I was 29. Like if I'm, if I'm 18 to 22, I'm like, I don't know. This isn't any fun for me. Like I might as well just go get a job. Like, you know, well, and, and that, that's, that's the thing. Right. And I remember, you know, back in mid to March to like, you know, end of April, you know, you're, you're on social media, people saying, you know, this is going to change college education and people are going to realize they can get an online degree and, goodbye colleges and I'm sitting there I'm like no no wait a second it's the complete opposite so many kids are realizing how much they value that classroom experience and how much they want to be on campus and engage look it's not for everyone some people do fine learning online right right but these kids are at this college because they want to go away they want to play a sport and you see that at a lot of small colleges right so I think I think it's just putting a, a shining a bigger light on on the value that uh you know, higher ed brings. And like I said, it's not for everybody, right? Like some kids might decide, you know what, I'm just going to go into the job world right now. I've learned some skills or I'm going to acquire whatever skills I need on the job uh, in real time and be good to go. And that's perfectly fine. Uh, mm-hmm. I still think there's going to be a, a great market for, for kids who want to play sports and want to be on a campus. Oh yeah, no, 100%. I mean, and it's, it's one of those things that I, I feel like, yeah, you can get a, you can get a degree online. I feel like it's almost more the the social aspect and growing as like a person like that is really what you can gain out of like being on campus, you know? Um, Whereas, you know, you're kind of isolated. You're sitting in a room, like talking about, you know, sitting in an office like me or you are right now when we're having this conversation and it's like, okay, I'm typing up a paper, like nothing really to look forward to tonight, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, how was your college experience? It was, fine I just did the whole thing online you know it's just like it's one of those things where you, you want to people are uh, we're you and I are both inherently social dudes man we <laughs> like to be around people like this is tough for us um and, and I can't even imagine like you or I trying to you know do this when we're you know we're like we're you have a house I have a house we're both married we got like people to hang out with like when we're at home like if I'm you know a college kid or just out of college like I'm in an apartment I'm alone like just be like sad, man. Dude, it sucks. It it, it sucks, you know? And, uh, but, but again, it's one of those things, like it all depends on what, what people are looking for in their college experience. You know, some, there are some people out there who, you know, they want to not be in debt, like most of us anyway, but they want to spend as little as possible. They want to get in and out and get working. So, Hey, online degrees sometimes are the way to go, but then there's other kids who want to build networks. They want to be able to socialize and kind of grow as, as, as individuals. They want to be part of a team. They want to be challenged in person real time. And, and so those are the people who want those, those, you know, traditional campus education. There's some for everybody, which is great. <laughs> but, yeah. but me personally, like, you know, I did, I was fortunate enough. I got my master's and uh, in class, you know, I was at Riviera university for my master's and, you know, on campus all the time. So it was great. And now I'm getting ready to start my CAGS and I'm doing it through St. Joe's and it's all online. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with online learning. I could read with the best of them, but like, I like, like what we're doing right now. I like doing yeah. this and in person. So it's going to be different because it's all discussion boards. It's not live talk. Yeah. 
No, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Um, now, how is this kind of, I know you alluded to it a little bit earlier, you know, meetings on the over Zoom with, uh, with the guys and whatnot. How has this kind of been to, to manage on the other side of it, like the recruiting side of it? Has it been, yeah. you know, has it made things a little bit tougher? Do you feel like it's a little more <clears throat> personal because you're getting like FaceTime, like one-on-one? You know, you're not going to a game and waiting there to say hello for five minutes afterwards or anything like right. that. How's this been for you? Uh, so for me personally, it's it's been really great, to be quite honest. You know, normally I don't get started on my recruiting class till after our season ends. You know, during season, you're talking to some kids that, you, you, you know, had a prospect in the fall. Um, but usually not like the heavy phone calls because when you're in season, it's a grind. You know this, Coach. Right. And uh, <laughs> so this is the first time. Dude, I was I was started doing phone calls mid-March with kids on Zoom. And, you know, I've got a, you know, a template, a process that I do with every kid. And by the time you get to our third call, we get the parents involved in a Zoom meeting. And, you know, so it's been awesome. Like, I've built some great relationships already with kids over the last three months. Um, I got, you know, a foot in the door for the first time. I've got my first uh, commit. He committed, you know, about three weeks ago as a junior. I've never had a kid commit junior year and his family was wow. so excited he was but had had this not happened ironically enough I might not have been in contact with this kid till June maybe early July right so right. um it, it it certainly changed again this is division three too so um you know things are slightly different than than the d1 and two uh coaches right but um I I've, I've really liked it and what's what's come to the forefront here is <laughs> this technology zoom and Google, Google hangouts. It's been around forever, <laughs> not forever, but you know, it's been around. I've never used it before. Right. And now I'm going to use this even, even once we get back to some type of normal post COVID life, I'm going to use this because it's a lot. I, I prefer this than getting on a phone call with the kid. Now I can see him for the first time face to face. If I, you know, just saw him at a tournament playing with the helmet on. So right. uh, it's definitely more personable for sure. Yeah, no, I had a, you know, I had a couple of, uh, I had a couple dudes on um, a couple of weeks ago. My, uh, my friend Steve and Ted uh, came on and we were talking about that and they were both like, a yeah, good one. Great yeah you listen to that, right? That was pretty did, good. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were talking about that too. They were like, yeah, I might, I might do this instead of, you know, instead of going places to, to see the, like, you know, to see these kids from time to time. So I might do this instead of phone calls, that sort of thing. Like you're saying it, it's, it's crazy. Like we've, we've kind of opened up this Pandora's box to, to a form of technology that nobody ever really, you know, people used it. You know what I mean? But they, but they not, didn't not use it like at this scale. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, so that's, uh, has it, has it been, I guess, more difficult not getting to have the kids on campus or, you know, what, what do you, how do you kind of, you know, do yeah. that? Are you walking around with, with the, with the phone, like doing the FaceTime and like showing them like, this is this building, this is this hall, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I've only done a couple FaceTime tours. Uh, a lot of kids kind of drove up to campus on their own these last few months and walked around. They couldn't get into the buildings, but Hey, they were able to kind of walk around and you know, we're right on Sebago Lake. So it's a, right. it's a pretty attractive place in the, especially in spring and summer. So um, I haven't had, we've got some kids scheduled to come up in the next few weeks. Uh, starting, I think it was beginning of June, we were able to have just main kids uh, visit the campus in person, mm. you know, following social distancing rules, of course. Uh, and now kids from out of state could come as long as they've been tested within the last three days uh, for yeah. COVID or, or if they've quarantined. So we're looking forward. I know other coaches on campus have had kids up the last month or two. Um, 
you know, so normally this time of the year, I don't, I typically don't start getting visits till like mid July, right? Mm. Cause the tournaments usually start mid June. That gives me a month to do some recruiting. Then you start getting kids up. So, you know, we're still right on track. And like I said, we, uh, we've got a bunch of kids scheduled come up. we got a prospect day on August 4th. So we got kids coming for that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting, you know, when you're recruiting and it's, Hey, you know, a kid from Maryland wants to come. It's like, Ooh, did you get yeah. your test? If not, you got to quarantine 14 <laughs> days. Like who's going to quarantine for two weeks to walk around campus and meet with me for two hours. That's just right. unrealistic. So um, this, this technology has certainly made it, uh, made it easier for us to communicate and show our campus around, you know, obviously like most schools, everyone's put out a, a virtual tour. Um, they've always been there, but it's been ramped up now. So kids can check that out. I mean, uh, so it's been pretty good. I can't remember what we were talking about here about campus visits, but uh, <laughs> yeah, trying to give some filler here. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, that I mean, when you're yeah, when you're in a small when you're in a smaller private school like that, you got a little bit more of a draw than um, you know from from different regions than you know I had when I was coaching hoops at at Plymouth State and Rhode Island College. You know, you're you being a, a PSU alumnus. Um, Let's go Panthers, baby. Go Let's Panthers. Go. <laughs> Love. You know, so that that I mean, those schools were kind of like regional. You know, Rick, yeah. we might get to New York, but like, yeah, when you got a when you got a guy, oh yeah, hey coach, I want to fly up from Florida, or I want to fly up from Maryland to see the place. It's ah, I don't really know what the situation is in Maryland, and you know, Florida right now isn't doesn't sound great from what they're <laughs> you know they're talking about. It's like. Yeah, let's just do this virtual tour, man. Like, I'll show you around. You know, if you're if you're interested, like, you know, we'll we'll continue this and figure it out from there. But yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. How how this has really like changed the landscape. I mean, you didn't get to go anywhere. No showcase events in the spring. No like no high school games. Anything like that. Was that that must have been weird for you, man? Yeah, I'll tell you what. It was weird because honestly, I actually. You know, you go to these massive tournaments all summer long, you know, these, you know, cattle calls and, yeah. you know, I, dude, I went back and, and kind of ran the numbers of, of my recruits. And, I love that you just called it a cattle call, by the way. <laughs> I used to do that all the time, man. I mean, that, that's give them a jersey number and let them go yeah. sick. And you're just yeah. like, all right, is this guy's jersey number right? Like, I like this right. one. Oh, wait a second here's the roster, but the numbers are all wrong. And you're sitting there, then you're trying to track the club coach down or the best man is when you, you email the club coach and then they big time you because you're not Syracuse. So it's like, yeah. hey, man, I saw four kids I really liked. Uh, here's their numbers, but you give no name and no contact. So can you can you let me know? And then they don't they don't even call you back. Yeah. They don't email you back. It's like, but yeah. So so I have more success going to the high school games. It's actually more personable, right? Yeah. Like not many coaches in the spring are getting out to, to games anymore. Lucky for us, our season ends in you know early early May. So I'm able to catch the last month of the high school season and. Uh, it's normally fantastic, and we get a lot of kids that way, right? Uh, compared to these these circus uh, tournaments that we go to, and again, you yeah. got to go to those tournaments because one is part of branding. You got to be seen. Two, you don't want to miss kids. Three, you want to see kids that you've been recruiting in a different uh, atmosphere. You know, it's one thing to see a kid play on his high school team where he's practicing six days a week and knows the guys. It's another thing to watch them play on a team where they only practice once a week, right? right. So I, I, I like to see all. 
all uh, uh, situations for these guys. But it's certainly – I missed one of the high school games. It was just fun. It was fun to go to the games and you know, be the only coach there because who else is up in Maine out of the high school or going down to New Hampshire and watching a high school right. game? You know, there's yeah. like a small group of guys. Yeah, no, definitely, man. And, you know, kind of switching gears here, you were a high school coach to start. I was, man. Yeah. How yeah, the goal – how, uh, what was it? Merrimack High School, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, your time there, um, you know, making that transition back to college. Um, you know, obviously you played in college, but, you know, making that transition from being a head coach at Merrimack High School to being a coach in college and, you know, so on and so forth. Sure, man. Well, let's, let's even back it up a little before Merrimack. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. By all means, done. this is your yeah. forum, man. Come just on, man. Like, let it spill. You can't just start in chapter 12. Like, let's start <laughs> yeah. with chapter one. Yeah. No, so, you know, my, my first coaching experience was, was right out of high school. I graduated, uh, sorry, out of college. I graduated Plymouth in 05. Mm -hmm. uh, and I started coaching at Concord High in 2006. I was uh, the volunteer assistant varsity coach. Um, and I was there for four years. Loved my time there. Um, Darren Primo was the head coach at, at the time. Went to two Final Fours in my in my four years there, which was awesome. And I really, really began to to enjoy the coaching piece. Right, I was a teacher at the time too, so obviously, like I, I love educating. Right, I love leading. Uh, but there was just something about coaching, and uh, you know. I obviously wanted to be the head coach at Concord, but Darren was there and that was his, his gig. So, you know, it's not like I could take that. Uh, Merrimack opened up 20 minutes from uh, Concord. So it just made sense. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was a real, I was there three seasons and, you know, my first season there, we, we had 10 wins. We were 10 and six. Uh, first winning season in a decade I, the last time they had 10 wins was 2001 I believe it was yeah. uh, and then after there we kind of just went like I think five and ten and six and eleven the next two years mm -hmm. um but you know I, I really enjoyed that experience because it's a lot different when you're a head coach right compared right. to the assistant when you're assistant high school coaches hey man like show up you know run the stations your drill stations make sure you're helping with the you know scouting report which in high school is so brief because you're playing three games a week at the high school level in new hampshire right. um you know, so you're not doing a ton of scouting and and kind of the disciplinary stuff and everything and the admin stuff went to the head coach right so mm -hmm. uh <laughs> things change when you're head coach for the first time and uh, i was 25 years old and i'll be honest I, i'm grateful that i was a teacher right like I'm a trained educator. I know how to handle groups. I know how to manage, uh, know how to communicate with parents. So for me, it was actually a pretty smooth transition going mm. from assistant coach to head coach. Um, was there anything for, like, was there anything like weird? Like, you know, your, your first game, like, you know, when, when my buddy, uh, my buddy Steve was on here, he was like, yeah, my first game, I had no idea where to stand. I didn't know like <laughs> if I should, if I was standing too close to the front of the bench or too far to the back, or if I should sit down, like, was there anything like, Oh man, I actually don't know what to do now. The team's going out on the field. Like, <laughs> Oh, actually just to no, know, I, I felt at home uh, uh, as the head coach, but also, also I'm super ADHD. So there's no standing. So I paced the sidelines when I was an assistant coach. It doesn't, it didn't matter. So I just did the same thing. You know, yeah. uh, you got a guy running the substitution box for you. So uh, I'm too ADHD to be able to substitute and, and watch yeah, the yeah, game yeah. at the same time. So no, it, it, it nothing different there. Uh, funny story though. My first, uh, the first scrimmage we had, we we're going out to UN to play Concord, right, mm -hmm. and to play uh, – oh, what other school? I can't remember what other school. It was just a uh, preseason jamboree. And, yep. and 
you know, obviously the day before I checked it with AD, hey, the bus is set, yes, and naturally, first go as head coach, buses don't show up at Merrimack High. Oh, so what no. do I do? Everybody get in your cars. If you don't drive, call your parents. And we drove individually to UNH. And we got there in time to kind of get warmed up. And that was my introduction to head coaching. Uh, wow. How did that yeah, happen? I, I mean, I know that, that stuff happens. But, like, especially when you clear it with the AD, it's yeah. – at that point, it's, you know, you kind of – it's kind of out of your hands unless you Control the controllables, man. Yeah, unless, unless you're the sitting there with, with the car running outside the bus driver's house. I don't really know what else more you can yeah. do there. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I – I don't really remember what happened. I, if I could think, I think they just, they just never came. I, yeah. uh, you know, I think they just never came. So anyway, we survived, we overcame, we adapted and uh, we got ourselves to that scrimmage. But, you know, I never, I was never um, like, Oh man, I'm so overwhelmed. Where do I go? Like, I just, I felt that home. I felt very confident in that, that first role. And probably cause you know, I, those four years of Concord trained me pretty well. And I had that experience. Yeah. No, I, I I can only harken back to my my one um, when I was at Post we had a JV team and I had to coach the JV team um, my uh, my second year there and I didn't know what to do <laughs> I was like I don't do this regularly like our practices have like six or seven guys in them like I, we mostly just I'll hop into you know and we'll play like four on four or whatever I'll you know I'm short and overweight so I just like get the ball at the top of the key and like drop it dive swing it yeah or if I'm open I take like a jump shot like just to like just to make sure the kids had something to do you know but like we, we got to these games and we're playing like these prep schools that have you know New England prep school basketball all these dudes are you know entrenched in their jobs like oh they've been there for you know Jerry Quinn at St. Thomas More has oh, been there man. for like 40 years or you know, um, guys like that, you're like standing across the sideline from them. Like, I'm just some guy coaching against this obvious legend that people tweet about, like needing to be in the basketball hall of fame. And I'm trying not to break like the clipboard and look like a jackass here. So I'm like, I didn't know if you had any of those type of moments where it's like, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing here. Like I did, you know? (laughs) No, no, I, I did it. I I knew what I was doing. I'll tell you this, this though. uh my fast forward uh you know we're gonna we'll go back we're gonna, to we're the, gonna jump around here so yeah we'll go like, back like to I the, maintained yeah <laughs> we're go gonna we're gonna move around we're gonna take left turns right turns we're gonna fly around it's gonna be an yeah. exciting uh, exciting podcast here bill yeah so uh you know so <laughs> we'll fast forward to when i was the head coach of daniel webster just for the story and then we'll go back to the sequential yeah. order of things but uh it was my my second year at d-dubs uh and we we're playing god who are we playing Oh, Wheelock, Wheelock, yeah. and and one of my friends was the coach there, a younger guy. He's he's probably your age, uh, Eric. And uh, we're sitting there in the game, and dude, we're up big, like up big. And my assistant coach, young guy, and I'm one of those head coaches. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to my assistants. I'm gonna give them the opportunity. He's like, Coach, that kid's stick is illegal. I'm like, Yeah, but we're a big coach. It's illegal. Like you know, integrity. We can't just let him get away with it. I'm like, All right, man. Are you sure it's illegal? He's like, Absolutely. So, I'm like, hey check this kid stick check it and sure enough they do a stick check game stops <laughs> kid stick was illegal 
And I felt like the biggest Bush League jerk. At, like, I was like, oh, oh man. Like, I'm sitting there. Like, it's one thing if you're you're losing the game and you're trying to get that competitive edge. Like, I should have never called that to begin with. Like, there was just no need when you're up big to do that. I apologize to Eric after the game. Like, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm an ass. Like, yeah. I should not have done There was no need. And he was great about it, though. But, like, that to me, like, that was just you – know, the whole team's like, – the guys are laughing at me on the sideline. I'm like, damn you, a name. <laughs> What the hell happened? Oh, I accidentally hit mute on my. You uh, muted me, man. I guess the story yeah. the story wasn't. No, that my my bad. I, <laughs> I I had to clear my throat, so I went to mute myself. I must have hit the wrong button there at the end. Oh no, um, dude, you gotta you gotta keep this realistic. Let the world hear you clear that. <laughs> <laughs> no? Um, yeah, no, I know. Like my um, so Kara tells me the story that she had. Uh, you know, when she played in high school, she played at uh, you know, she played at North, and they were playing. I think she said like Sauhegan or something like that. Um, you know, and Sauhegan was much better than them. And Kara, they were up, they were down like 18 to nothing or something like that. Kara's team was. And she said she scored a goal and it was raining out. So the water had kind of like waterlogged the netting in her stick. And the Sauhegan coach was up 18 to nothing, running down the sidelines to yell at the, the official. Like, the stick's illegal. That goal shouldn't count. They like did the, you know, did the whole thing and they disallowed the goal. And Kara says, what the hell? Like, what's the point there? You know, like you're going to beat us by 18 right. or 17, you know? But, and, and, yeah, exactly. That's the worst part for, for my situation. There was no goal scored or anything. It was just the middle of the game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling, uh, but again, you, things you learn as a young, young coach, things not yeah. to do. So, so Merrimack High School, then you went to Keene, right? As an assistant yeah. at Keene, you were there for yeah. three years, two years? Uh, two seasons. Two seasons. Two seasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that, that was, I mean, I freaking loved coaching at Keene State. So uh, my, my buddy, Matt Griffin, who was the head coach at Keene High School, uh, and he ran New England Elite with me, which was, was our club program. He ended up getting the job at Keene State in like 2012 or 2011. And he's like, hey, I'm going to get you here. He's like, you, you know your stuff. I'm like, okay. And a year later, sure enough, Mark Terrio, the head coach, calls. And it's, I think it was like October of, of 2012. And he's like, hey, we'd like you to come aboard. Dude, I didn't apply. There was nothing. He called me. He's like, look, Matt, Matt said good things about you. And I, I had known Mark a little bit through the, you know, the coaching network. Yeah, he yeah, just yeah. Offered, me, offered me a spot. You know, obviously, you know, assistant coach at a state school, part-time and not much money. It's actually yep. less than what I was getting paid as a head coach at Merrimack. But mm. it was just that opportunity to kind of take the game to the next level. It wasn't about winning. Like, it's, it's not like, oh, I could win there. It was more about, like, oh, this is my opportunity to grow as a coach and kind of see what the college coaching is like because it's been a long time since I was a, a college athlete, right? So, right. you know, I, I took that position, and, man, it was – those two years were freaking unbelievable. Unbelievable. I learned so much. Um, and what I really appreciate was the guys were so accepting of me as a new coach. Like, I remember one of them said, man, we've, we've actually never had a, an older coach before because normally they just had young guys who just graduated <laughs> coach. And I was 30 at the time, right? So uh, yeah. they were pretty excited. They were receptive. And, man, we were – like those two years, we were really good. I got to – my last year there, we got to go to an NCAA tournament, lost to Endicott 12-9. It was a sick game. Like, yeah. you know, so, so learned a lot there. And, you know, got to go on some pretty great spring break trips on the team. We went to Florida and California. And, you know, that that's just how I learned, like – I wanted to do this whole time. 
Yeah. I wasn't, I was like, you know, I was out there, I was still, I was teaching full time, driving an hour out to Keene. Uh, and I remember going out there during our, our school winter break and hanging out with Mark and, you know, he's sitting there in like the, the student center, like playing ping pong with the kids. I'm like, this is an incredible life. He's like, man, he's like, it's all about quality of life. He's like, if you love what you're doing, he said, you know, you should do it. And, and so that's when I kind of got my head like, dude, I got to do this full time. I've yeah. got to make this my full-time job. And, and then I began the search. I began the journey. Yeah. And then, and that's when you, that's when you ended up at Daniel Webster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about that. Obviously you mentioned it briefly. Um, Daniel Webster, similar to like at the time, may, may the school rest in peace. Um, similar to, uh, to post being a for-profit school. Yeah. Um, you know, at the division three level, small school in Nashua, um, you know, tell it, how, how'd you get that job? How, like, how'd you decide, like, this is the job I'm going to go after? Like the whole nine right, yards right. there. Well, well, quite frankly, I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't think anybody else actually applied for the job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the time, Daniel Webster, the season before was ranked 225 out of 230 teams in D3. So uh, I don't think anybody wanted the job. Um, for me, it was two minutes from our house in Nashua, uh, stepping stone, right? Like foot right. the door, a, a program that, that hadn't seen a lot of success. And so I was like, why not? Like, you can yeah. only go up. Like, if I'm decent at what I do, I think I can build a program. And you know, so I took the job. It was kind of a process because I think I applied in like November. And it just because it was for profit, like everything just took forever. So I ended up getting the job like January 23rd and the season started in a week and a half. So oh, wow. Um, yeah. So so that was that. So I took the job. I was very excited for it. Um, one, it was so close to the house. Like, no, you know, Keen was great, but I was driving an hour one way and an hour yeah. back after teaching a full day. So you know, I was having long nights, Justin, you know, you've yeah, done it yeah. before. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so then became the task of how the hell do I turn this program around and how do, how do we make it competitive? And I just knew for me, I, I wanted to find kids who wanted to play college lacrosse and who right. wanted education. Danny Webster had it like, I don't know if you've ever been over to the campus, dude. It was, you know, it's overgrown now, but it's yeah. actually a nice little campus. Like, yeah. It's a really nice little campus. I, I, I was like, I can, I can show this to kids and it, it's not crap. Like kids would want to go here and you know, <laughs> you know, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure the kids went because of me. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my guys, actually five of them ended up transferring to St. Joe's when I got the job right when the school closed. And oh, they, wow. they said, you know, we, we came to, to Dan Webster for you, coach. So we're going to go with Dan. And I love that. I think that speaks volumes just about the, you know, the importance of building relationships. But uh, that's how I built the Daniel Webster program. Now, I, we didn't win much. We were six and eight and seven and eight respectively. But the previous four years, they only won, I think, seven games total. So yeah. that was a huge turnaround. We increased goals scored. We increased team G. GPA. Uh, we decreased the amount of, you know, behavioral problems on campus. And, uh, you know, that's what I realized, like, I'm, I'm pretty decent at, at turning programs around, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to be a championship level coach. I know I can be, you know, how hard it is to win, but yeah. turning programs around and building culture is what I, what I think I'm actually pretty good at. So uh, Daniel Webster was my first real test to see if I could take a program and, and make it more competitive and make it respectful. Right. Sorry. Now, now, was it was it harder in your opinion being the the for profit model? I mean, you and I have obviously spoken about that uh, previously, but like, was it? Did you feel it was harder than 
say, you know, where you are now at St. Joe's or where you were previously at Keene, like how, how different was the, uh, like getting kids to go there with, with what the school allowed you, you know? Well, you know, I, I didn't look at it as trying to get kids to go there. I, I saw this show kids the opportunity that the school has to, to offer, right? I really didn't rarely, I think I was only asked once in those two years about the for-profit tag. And honestly, I didn't yep. really understand much of what that was in my job. And in my head, it was, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find kids who want to be here, and I'm going to build a lacrosse program around it. And that, that's, that's it. Uh, certainly it's easier to sell a St. Joseph's college over Daniel Webster anyway, just because the location type of school and that thing, but dude, Daniel Webster, you can get an engine, an ABET accredited engineering degree for $15,000 while living on campus. Like, Jesus. so, so it had a lot of great things to offer, um, which is why I snoo bought their engineering programs and now they have engineering, right? It makes right. sense. Um, but I mean, it was just, it was a tougher school because it did have that reputation of a for-profit and the, the lacrosse program wasn't great. So why would you be attracted to a weak program? Uh, so I really had to, to show the kids what they could get out of Daniel Webster, how they could help me build the program and kind of um, put it put it higher than where it was and, and mm -hmm. found kids that, that fit the mold. I just wanted grinders. I wanted blue collar kids who want to get an education and want to, to play at the next level. And we were able to do it, you know? It was a lot of fun kind of recruiting for that place and, and building what we built. Right, yeah, and then, you know, and then and then obviously they, they shut down with, they were owned by ITT Tech, right? Yeah, you, ITT Tech. Were you out of there before they shut down? No. Or, no. Just we were moving in my third recruiting class. We were moving them in. It was like August 26, and that's when the announcement was made. And I was like, oh. holy, holy cow. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? And, and, and I had no idea, man. I'm sitting there grinding, working my butt off. And they're like, you know, we're closing at the end of the school year, and that's it. And, you know, SNU had come in, essentially, and, and kind of helped out Danny Webster and said, look, we'll, we'll pay your, your faculty and staff. We're going to oversee this, this transition process uh, for the next year. And so they asked me if I would stay, but you know, I was just like, I'm not going to have a job in a year. And Justin, you know how hard it is to find coaching yeah. jobs full time. So I said, I'm either going to look now mm -hmm. or I'm going to wait a year and be in the same spot. So let's look now. And sure enough, I remember seeing St. Joseph's on like August 19th. I saw they were opening. They, they opened the position. I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, ah, no need to apply. I'm going to stick with D-dubs another year and, and, and whatnot. And then D-dubs made the announcement, so I, I applied right away. I'm like, yeah. daddy's got to eat, you know. Yeah. Got to <laughs> make a living. So, uh, you know, that was crazy, though. I remember, you know, had a meeting with the team like the next week where we would have been getting ready to kick off fall ball. I told them the situation. I said, guys, I don't know if I'm going to be here or not. And I apologized. And I, I remember mm. emailing all the parents and say, look, if I had known this place was closing, I would not have brought your kids in. And parents were wonderful, man. They emailed me mm -hmm. back. They said, we understand, uh, you know, nothing negative to be quite honest. And I said, I will help your kids get to whatever school they want to go to, whether it's wherever I go, if they can get in, I want them, or if it's somewhere else. And, uh, you know, sure enough, we had, I think, five, five or six guys ended up transferring to St. Joe's uh, that January. Nice. No, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. It, now, when when did you get the St. Joe's job? Um, like uh, fall or just after the new year? Yeah, it, it was actually mid-September. Mid I think September 13th or 14th. I, I interviewed September 1 of 2016. Uh, went back again like two weeks later, and then like September 14th is when I got offered the job. I remember because I was taking – me and a couple other coaches were taking the seniors out oh, wow. to uh, – 
That's quick. Yeah, it was real fast. So they hired me pretty quickly. Um, I know there were a few candidates, but you know, I, I started September 23rd or 26th. I can't remember the date. So it was, it was actually nice. Like it wasn't like halfway through the year. I kind of got to start when the freshmen were starting. Yeah. Um, worked out really well. That, that's uh, that's awesome, man. Um, now I, I, we've, you know, we've talked, we've talked about your previous stops, you know, how has it been to build St. Joe's? I mean, you, you started, you know, looking at, looking at your background, you've improved every year, you know, you were on track to, to make another step forward this year. Like how is, how has the program kind of grown since you've been there? I know you said you, you had some guys that were seniors this year that, that were freshmen when you took over, like those were your, those were your first kind of guys that came in. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, you know, first off, St. Joe's wasn't a, a winning program. I mean, they had, I think, prior to me, they had two winning seasons in, uh, I think, 2009 and 11, something like that, 10 win seasons. Um, but it wasn't for lack of effort. It was, dude, the coaches were part-time. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they had full-time jobs. The first coach was a teacher, too, and the amount of driving he was doing, doing the teaching job it, that's just really tough to build a program and manage your team too uh but but they did a great job the, the guys prior to me building a foundation but what i found was the kids they, they needed stability they needed somebody there who was there consistently to help hold them accountable and to really help them goal set i remember the first the first meeting we had as a team when i first met him it was like september 26th that that monday night i gave every, every guy a post-it and i said right down the reputation of St. Joe's lacrosse and every kid did it. And oh, I've got him in my office laminated right now. So I'll, I'll send you a pic of those. Uh, yeah, tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Maybe. But I had every kid write down what the reputation of St. Joe's was and to a T very negative stuff. I treated like a club program, laughing stock, were jokes. No one takes us seriously. Stuff like that. I said, okay, wow. Yeah. I said, okay, here's another post-it. What do you want your reputation to be? And every kid wrote down, like, competitive, respected, committed. That was huge, right? Like, multiple guys were committed. They want guys on the team committed. And then, then the last thing I said was, okay, how many of you guys played summer lacrosse? And four guys raised their hand. And I laughed. I said, well, this is going to be an easy fix, guys. If you want things to change, you've got to change the way we do things. And that's where it really started. And every year, we do the same thing. We give them post-its. We -hmm. talk about where we were, where we want to be, how we're going to get there. Um, So the program's changed in that the roster size is much bigger. I think 2015, or sorry, the 2016 season, they had 24, 25 guys. Uh, With the kids I ended up bringing in, we had 31 my first year. Then I brought 19 kids in. Then I brought 15 kids in. Then 17 this past fall. We got 10 coming in. So what we've done is created a very competitive roster. And and Justin, as you know, iron sharpens iron. If you've only got 24 guys on the lacrosse team, let's just be honest, six to eight of those guys are probably pretty good players. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the guys are still trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So where's the compete? Those top guys know that they're going to be the man. Right. They don't need to try as hard because they're going to get by on skill alone. They right. don't need to make the best choices because who else is coach going to play? So we made it very clear that I don't care who you are. If you're making poor decisions, you're not playing. And I'm going to prove by bringing in more guys to take your spot if we're not going to do the right things. And, and I think that's really I how that. how we built this program. And, and Justin, the guys have really bought in, and I'm super proud of them. Like the littlest things, it, it's taken time. Like slow and steady wins the race. Rome wasn't built in a day, but uh, the guys have done a tremendous job. And we were 12 and five last year, rolling into three and one this year and looking to make a, a run for that GNAC championship. That was our goal. And uh, we got cut short. Um, but I'll be honest, dude, I've got 
an unbelievable coaching staff. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think it's very rare, and I'm not tuning my horn. I'm just naturally an energetic, fired up, intense guy. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you don't say, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and I try, I try to be positive. Remember, I taught elementary and in middle school. So I'm yeah. a human. We, we can be negative at times, but I try to keep things positive. And our staff does an amazing job. Dude, I've got two paid assistants, which don't, they don't make month, much. And then I've got five volunteers, dude, or four volunteers. I have seven guys on the sidelines sometimes at games. It's probably the biggest staff in the Northeast. And uh, without those guys, I don't think we get to where we are because because they're spreading the gossip, if you will, right? They're out right. there. They're talking about the program. I got two, three alums on my staff, three alums who go. were there when the program wasn't great. And they've just seen the change. So it's really nice to have them when you're recruiting to talk to talk to the recruits about, dude, this is how the program has evolved over the last decade and what it looks like now, right? So right. My, my coaching staff has been unbelievable, man. Unreal. Yeah, and that's uh, – it's – it's it, it kind of, you know, perked me up a little bit to hear you, you know, give, give your staff kudos, man. Because, you know, uh, my – you know, obviously I worked at a couple different places, but my, one of my bosses, um, you know, my second one, uh, at, at Rick, he, it was, if, if we were doing well, it was because of him. And if we were doing poorly, it was because of his staff. So I, I never heard I was doing a good job. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> nice to, it's nice to hear the, uh, the head coach, you know, give his assistants a little bit of like, you know, a, and out of boy, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dude, I mean, I, and I, I commend them often. We talk a lot, like, because we, we talk about how important it is for our athletes to be great teammates to each other and pat each other back, lift each other up when they're feeling down. And so we do that as a staff. And it's also important for – we want our athletes to know their roles and understand their, their role on the team. And same with the coaching staff. Look, I'm the head coach, but I'm certainly not God's gift to lacrosse. Like, I've got guys yeah. on my staff who have a way better lacrosse acumen than me, right? there. I had a 23-year-old coach this year. He's going to be unfreaking believable. Like, he's very, very high lacrosse IQ. Like, he was teaching me stuff, and I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. That's unbelievable. And I let them do their thing, man. My associate head coach, Chachi Horgan, he takes the offense, and I trust him. Like, hey, just stick to, you know, here's my philosophy of what I want. Do your thing, man. Like, yeah. I, I, I didn't play attack. I was a defender. Why am I running an offense? I can right. teach it, but I want guys who are passionate about it. And so our staff is just a bang-up job, man. They, they, they're positive. Uh, and they're, they're good role models for our kids. And they care about the program. Dude, I have four guys who, who work for no money. Think about that. Wow. I think that speaks volumes about your program. When you have guys asking, can I, can I come work for your program? Yeah. Um, and we're grateful to have them, you know. So, so yeah, it, it's, it's the kids and the, the, the staff, like can't, can't win games if the kids don't believe in what the staff is doing. Right. The kids right. aren't working hard because they care. So it's really a team effort. It has nothing to do with the head coach. You know, I think, I think I could probably sit back and my assistants could probably run practice really well. Right. You know, I really, well, I couldn't sit back though because I love practice. <laughs> like I need to yeah. be involved. Uh, yeah. They're a great staff, dude. That that kind of gives you the uh, if you're you know for whatever reason you're pissed at the guys you're like you know what you guys don't want to do what I'm gonna say that's fine. Coach Horgan's gonna take over practice today. I'm gonna sit up in the stands and I'm gonna watch. All right. Yeah. And Chachi, Chachi's a fired up guy too. He might he, he might get him on the end line a little bit more than I would. 
I love that, man. I love that. Oh, but it's it's great, and you know how it is with you with you with the staff. We we feed off each other. So if there's a point in the game where maybe I'm getting a little negative, and it happens sometimes. You're human. You try not to, but it's like catch the goddamn ball, right? And Chachi's right. like, relax, Bill. We're good. Okay. And then vice versa, like he'll start losing his shit. I'm like Chachi, control the controllable. So we coach each other up, and we make sure the kids are hearing it because we're not God's gift. It's, this isn't like this, you know, God complex where, where we need to be in charge is our way, the highway. No, no, no. Like we're all a team. We're family. And we, we, I think we do a great job modeling that. And I actually love it. Like I just learned from everyone. I learned from 20 year olds. I learned from 80 year olds. It doesn't matter who, like yeah. I, my staff always has something to offer. Yeah. What now, now speaking of, you know, speaking of learning, you know, let's talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, we, we've talked a little about your path, but like, what's kind of like shaped you? Like what's kind of, you know, kind of created the style of, you know, of head coach that you are now, Bill? Uh, I, I think being a classroom teacher has actually shaped, shaped a lot of how I, I coach. It gave me that, you know, you go to college and, and you learn about, you know, how to teach different learners, right? How to, how to act with different kids because different kids need different things. Not every kid is going to get things right away. So that really influenced my coaching style because I was, I was able to really come in with, a, with a, an understanding that, look, just because a kid doesn't get something doesn't mean they're not a good lacrosse player. It means, can I do a better job coaching them up? Can I give them a better way of seeing something? Um, so I, I definitely think being a teacher and, and having two degrees in education has, has shaped my style of coaching. And then the other piece of that, Justin, is I tried to think about my college lacrosse experience. And we didn't have a full-time coach. We didn't really have standards. It was Plymouth State. Man, we used to say we're a drinking team with a lacrosse problem, right? Like that, that was the running joke. And, and it wasn't because we didn't care. But in 2001 to 2005, like there was no full-time coach. There was no one talking to us about culture and all this stuff. Did we work hard? Yeah. Like I, I remember tons of us were in the weight room, hitting the wall, playing for fun. But there was never that that culture of a coach there for you. You know, coach would be in his office at three o'clock, practice at five. Okay. So I really want to make sure when I'm coaching, I'd be a guy who's available for for my athletes, right? For better or for worse, come talk to me about anything. And I'm gonna coach everybody up, whether you're an all-American or whether you're a kid who just started playing, I'm gonna coach you up. And uh, and that's kind of just how I shaped it, just just because I just see potential in everyone. And sometimes it might be to a fault, <laughs> but that's what I learned as a classroom teacher. You can't just give up on a kid in your classroom because he's not getting it. Do your effing job, right? Like my right. job is to get this kid to write a five paragraph essay. My job is to get this kid to use sources to back up what he's talking about. My job is to coach kids. I don't coach lacrosse. I coach kids. I coach athletes. How do we make them better? And so my background as a teacher and my, my playing experience definitely shaped all that. Yeah. Now your, your, you know, your playing experience, obviously Plymouth, wonderful place, wonderful place. I, you know, I spent, I spent two years up there. I I lived in Holderness while I was there. You know, I was, I (laughs) I went to the lucky dog quite a bit, huh? I I did. Yeah. I went to the dog quite a bit. Um, You know, where else did we go? The Panther pub, I think opened after you graduated. I went to I think it opened 06 or 07 maybe. Yeah. But the dog was kind of the place to be. There's only like four bars there. It's not, it's like. That's all you need, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You only, you really only need one. I mean, let's be honest with you. Fair point. (laughs) Um, Fair point. 
But what, what was your, uh, you know, what was your experience like playing there? Obviously, you said that you had the. I gotta stop saying obviously. That's it's starting to it's starting to wear. I keep saying obviously. You you said, um, you know, you played for you had a part time coach when you were there. You know, how was how was your overall playing experience? How was your playing career, man? Tell tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. I mean, overall, the experience was great. It was great because of the guys on the team, right? Uh, you know, dude, I had three coaches in four years. Yeah. Like, yeah. There wasn't a lot of consistency. So the consistency was with the guys on the team. And, and dude, I love that place. I love that team. Um, those four years there were just probably the best time. I was a four-year starter. Um, which was a lot of fun. You know, you, you, you know, you're getting to cover some of the best guys on every team. Sometimes the number two guy, cause they were better defenders than me on the team. But I, you know, I, I was able to start for all three years. Um, you know, I saw our program, we went from five and 10. No, we were five and 11, six and 10, seven and eight, and then nine and eight. So, so I spent four years on, on an, a very average lacrosse program back when there, none of us were coming from playing club lacrosse. There was no such thing as club lacrosse when we were in high school. So mm -hmm. you played three sports and lacrosse season, season came, you played that. And that's where a lot of the guys are coming from. And, uh, you know, I just felt like I, I didn't learn all that much from our coaches staff, to be quite honest with you. Like, you know, coming from Long Island, which which is a hotbed, I remember getting up there and there were some kids who really had <laughs> did not have the same lacrosse experience growing up. But overall, I mean, the, the guys the guys worked hard on the team and we all got along great. You know, I lived in the Lax house for a year. And, and so, you know, ha having everyone come over and you're, you're bonding as a team, like that's what really kept us together through the different coaching transitions. Um, but like I said, it was a really good experience. And that last year when we went nine and eight, uh, great story, man. So, so Eastern Connecticut, yep. obviously, you know, East Con used to just beat the shit out of us, man. Like, yep. And you know, we're talking 19 of four, 93. And I remember freshman year, we're at the Lax House for a party. And, and me, another arrogant freshman, because I was very cocky as a freshman, um, <laughs> we're like, you know what? We're going to beat Eastern Connecticut. Like, we're going to beat them by the time we graduate. And sure enough, we, we, we weren't beating them. in senior year, I think we lost 9-3. It was the closest game we ever played, 9-3. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, though, we make the ECAC tournament back when that was a thing. It was like uh, – What's the uh, college basketball one after the NCAA, the NA? Uh, the, uh, the NIT. The NIT. It's basically that, right? It's yep. for, like the best of the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we go and, and uh, EastCon got uh, eliminated by Keene State. Keene State won the championship. So we got to play EastCon in the semifinals uh, of, the, of the ECAC tournament after we beat LaSalle in overtime. And obviously I was like, here we go. And, dude, we played out of our minds. We actually ended up winning 13-12 or 12-11 in, in overtime. It was the number two win in 2005, the, the number two upset of the year in 2005. Wow. Uh, so, 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 sure enough, we ended our career beating the nasty Eastern Connecticut Warriors. And it was that was probably the highlight of my career, just you know, nine and eight. Not anything to bat an eye, but when you were five and ten or six and eleven or whatever, like – Nine and eight's great. We're winners. Um, so I'm coming from that lacrosse background where I was never really part of a dominant team ever. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that also helped shape how I coach, right? Like, okay, I know what it's like to, to not win. What do we have to do to win? Because then right. I saw it at Keene State as a coach. Right. So, so I didn't realize that you were from Long Island. Yeah, nobody's perfect here, Justin. I'm just trying to, <laughs> trying to get by as a Mainer now. How how'd you end up in uh, in Plymouth coming from yeah. Long Island, dude? I uh, you know so I was recruited, and back then recruiting was a lot different. Like if you played the game and you went to and there was 
the Long Island Shootout, which was a showcase, just started my summer going into senior year. So I had some looks there. Um, I got a letter from VMI to be recruited. And oh, wow. I was like, I'm not going to VMI. D1, yeah. but it's I, I'm not a military guy. Come on. And then Stony Brook. Not for Brook, everybody. <laughs> no. And then Stony Brook, which was D1, but um, – Right on the island I, there. I want to get off Long Island. I, I, I just wanted a different experience. And I knew, you know, my college coaches, were, my high school coaches were honest. They're like, you know, you probably won't play till like your junior, senior year if you go to Stony Brook or school like that. I'm like, okay. And they said, go D3. So New England College was recruiting me. Um, I remember going up there. Coach Rob Quinn was there. Um, he's, I think he's the AD at Berwick Academy now. Um, Western New England was recruiting me. I went on my visit there. Uh, SUNY Brockport and, and Plymouth State. So really these like these northern schools, completely different than where I grew up on busy Long Island. And dude, I I fell in love with Plymouth. Mm. I fell in love with Plymouth. Just the, the first night there on my visit, I felt like I'd been there for five years. Like the mm. guys were just so welcoming and the scene was great. And and also I knew like they were graduating all their defensemen. So I was like, I'm gonna go in here and play pretty quickly. Right. So that that had a lot to do with it. So that's how I ended up at Plymouth. I was like, man, we're in the mountains. On Long Island, we don't got mountains. We got yeah. smog. We got traffic. <laughs> uh, and, you know, what's funny, though, I did not go to NEC and Winnick. And both those teams, the four years I was at Plymouth, made the NCAA tournament like at least two out of the four years. Plymouth, we barely won games. Oh, uh, wow. so, but I, I chose the school for the right reasons. It was right. known for a great teacher college. Uh, I, I knew I could play there and have some success. Um, and, and so that's why I ended up going there. It was the best decision I ever made. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, I, I, I loved, I loved my time at Plymouth because it's a really like small, really community type place, you know, like everybody knows everybody there, you know, um, obviously I didn't go there. I went to UNH, but my, my first. Yeah, my, you were, we, we used to make fun of you guys. We, we used to drink way harder than the UNH. Team. Hey, I, my, my. My roommate, uh, my roommate there said that to me one night, and we kind of made a game out of it. You know, we'll see who's who's came from the better, you know, the better party school, um, you know, Plymouth or UNH. And the, I think the goal was whoever, if we both made it to our beds, it was a tie. If one of us didn't make it to the bed, like the other one won. So I made it to the bed, and he slept on the couch, and I was like, hell yeah, I won. Woo! Respect. All right, respect. <laughs> No, I, uh, yeah, we used to, I mean, so I got to Plymouth in 01, but it was two or three years earlier. We were ranked number one in Playboy for the biggest number one party school, right? So, no kidding. You know, that, that, yeah, dude, it was, uh, you know, Plymouth State, man. What a time. I, I, I always wondered changed. how they did those rankings. So I feel like I every no magazine has one, but it's like every, none of the numbers are consistent. It's not like, it's not like looking at an, a, a big time college football poll where they have, you know, Tennessee number seven and then number eight in the other poll. It's like, right, right. All right. So these, this one's number one here, but it's not even on this other one's list. So I don't know what, like, what's the math there, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I don't know how they do it, but Playboy was a pretty big publication back then. So, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, we'll yeah, take, yeah. I think, I think I, you could probably Google it. I think Florida State was on that as well. Um, under us, it's great, crazy big little Plymouth State with, 3,500 kids. This is the number one party school, but it was, uh, you know, but I think, I think that was also to a, to a fault to, to us as lacrosse players. I think we would have been a better team in a different type of environment. And I, as a coach, I try to tell the guys that now, because I'm like, look, I went to Plymouth and yeah, the guys know they're not stupid. I'm like, that's not what I want for you guys. Like I, I, I want us to win and be competitive. Like we, we had one winning season and that sucked. 
right? So, yeah. you know, sometimes you got to, as you're going to see as, as a dad, right? You right, got to tell yeah. your kids, yeah, it's not a good idea to do something, even though I did it, right? Like, right. learn from me. Yeah do, yeah, do as I say, don't do, do it as I do. say, not as I did. Yeah, that's the word, yeah. <laughs> but you got, you got to own it, though. You know, you got to own it. Like, I, I tell, me and my coaches talk about it all the time. I think if I had a coach at Plymouth who was full-time, who was meeting with us regularly and talking about goals and standards, right? I think it's, I would love that shit. I would have bought right in, right? But we didn't have that. And, and that was just right. the culture. That was yeah. the culture. Yeah, no, I, we, um, yeah, my, uh, my, my, my first two years when I was at Plymouth, I didn't know my ass from my elbow, man. I was just trying to like, I was just trying to like figure it out. Um, I, I kind of knew a little bit more uh, year three when I was at, when I was at Rick and you could see those guys, we took over a program that had been to nine straight NCAA tournaments at, at Rick. And those guys were like hardwired. They just like, you could, you know, put them in there and be like, Hey, like go do this, this, and this. And they'd be like, all right, no problem. And they'd go and do it. And then, you know, we, we ended up losing in the little East championship to Keene. Um, got bounced or didn't make the tournament because our, our regional ranking wasn't great. And then all those guys graduated. Then we were, we were, you know, all young guys the next year. And it was kind of a mixed bag. You know, there was a couple dudes left over that were trying to tell them to do the, the, you know, the things that, that we'd done in the past or, you know, that they'd done in the past that they'd been there for, been to tournaments, been, you know, was our, our captain, um, Mike Neal, it was his senior year. He ended up, collapsing uh, on like the third day of practice or something and he had to have um he had to have like something implanted in his chest I don't know if it was a pacemaker or what but he missed the whole season he couldn't play you know again and then you know our other captain uh Terrence Tribble who I maintain is is like one of the the warriors of all warriors I've coached I mean that, I love that, that. that kid was not a skilled like basketball player offensively, but he did exactly what he needed to do. He was like a frog around the rim going after rebounds. He could make layups. He was a great defender. And he would, he would try to get in these younger dudes' asses and be like, hey, like, we need to do this and this and this better. And they just like, wouldn't listen to him. Like, yeah, you know what? F you, man. I, I know what I'm doing. Like I've been playing hoops my whole life, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, all right, yeah, we finished, you know, six and 21. Like, yeah, well, it didn't work out because you didn't want to listen. <laughs> you, know what, you know what's so interesting, Justin? It's like when you, when you really think about that, like so much of winning has very little to do with skill set and talent. Like, okay, let's just call a space. Like you need kids who can play the game. But I, you could win a championship with a bunch of B-level players who have the heart of Lions and a, an incredible mindset and who, who care, right? You could, you could win. Like guys like who we were just talking about, if you have a whole roster of them, you're going to win a lot of games, yeah. right? Absolutely insane when you, when you think about that. Now, don't get me wrong. Like tons of talented teams win all the time, but I think you see more consistency with, with guys who play with a chip on the shoulder and who care about their team. Like you see those programs – build consistency right instead of that one and done type thing right yeah no absolutely and you know bob walsh who was the head coach at rick before before i got there he had left to go to maine um incredibly successful tenure yeah he was at he was at umaine for uh for four years he's back in providence now at at pc but um you know he had a great he had a great system going there at 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 rick and then I, i basically i i went to places that we took over essentially yeah 
at some point or another, a full-scale rebuild. My second year at Rick was a full-scale rebuild. Uh, my, my, both of my years at Post were, were rebuild years. Like, we were just trying to churn the roster over because we had, you know, bad kids and, you know, bad, you know, not talented right. players and, and the whole nine yards. And it's, it's wild when you can uh, – I always look back at my first year at Rick because those guys were just like – they were talented as hell, but they were also like hardwired to do exactly the right things that they, you know, that they were supposed to do because, because Walsh had drilled it into their heads so many times. You know what I mean? It's incredible when you have like a coach like that. Like you're saying, dudes want to be, you know, coach. That like, yeah, you're going to get yelled at. Like it means you care, <laughs> you know, if, you, if I'm not going to yell at you, like, I probably just don't give a shit, <laughs> right. you know? Well, like, th that's just it. Like, and, and there needs to be some intensity, right? This is, this is college. We're not talking about youth, youth, right? Like it's a different purpose when you're playing youth sports than college. And, and so you can bring that intensity and yeah. a little bit of hate sometimes. But yeah. That's, you know, I, I think the best recipe for success is talent plus that great mindset and work ethic. Like oh, that's yeah, the best thing. You know, if you could get a team of freaking All-Americans who who think they're blue collar and who think they're the bottom man of the totem pole, you're gonna you're gonna win a lot of games. Yeah. Now, obviously, you mentioned the the youth thing. Now, I know you do some club stuff too. What? How is that? Um, you know, different from college. I mean, yeah. you, you know, we have we have AAU and basketball. I know you guys have have club in in lacrosse. How how is that? You know, different. What's the the dynamic of it all, man. Yeah, man. Club's just a different beast. You know, we're at the point now where everybody just wants to be part of a, a winning program. You know, they want that Nike swoosh instead of the champion logo. Yep. Um, you know, <laughs> we think about programs and everyone's always, a lot of people are looking to, to just be part of the best program. And what's funny is, you know, I'm part of, uh, I coach for Four Leaf Lacrosse, a great program out of New Hampshire. And I actually help, help uh, up here with the, the main branch of Four Leaf. Um, and my mindset is like, dude, I love to win. I'm competitive as all hell. But my mindset with summer ball is this. It's summer ball. We're here to get better and get reps and have fun, right? Like when you're 45 years old, you're not sitting down talking about that one tournament out of 20 that you went to that you won and you got a t-shirt. You're probably talking about the high school championship you won or that run we made in the playoffs for our high school team. Right. Um, so, so when I'm working with, with, with club and, and that's from youth all the way to high school, it's a big focus on just development. Like, can we, can we get better by doing the fundamentals of the game? Um, and then usually I have more of a focus with recruiting with the high school guys, but they, you know, this, there's, there's a place for everybody to play if kids really want to work hard and do it. So I'm usually trying to give kids, uh, get kids in the right direction. I'll call other college coaches for them. Um, if, if, if they want to go to those schools, I'm all about making sure that, we're using club lacrosse to improve play. There are programs out there that are all just about winning. Right. Like, hey, no, no, no. We just want the best kids, the best kids. I get that. Like, who doesn't want the best kids? But you're paying, right? You're paying. And it's our job as coaches to develop kids, right? right? Also, also to put them in positions where they can showcase their talent. And that comes in due time. But, you know, this country's got a very big emphasis on winning. And I'll tell you this, I ran New England Elite Lacrosse in, in New Hampshire from 2011 to 2016. And we had kids, most of our kids weren't from the hotbeds like Pinkerton or Bishop Girton, right, or Exeter. Mm -hmm. We had the kids from Merrimack, the Nashua's, Concord, just, you know, Milford, 
blue collar kids. And dude, we, we developed so many lacrosse players over those four or five years. We sent 30 something kids to play at the next level. Right. And they had a great experience. Some of them came back to play on our men's club teams that we put into tournaments. And to me, that's what it's about. Right. right. You know, New, New Hampshire, New Hampshire Tom and talks with the, the top dogs. Right. But guess what? Like, Anybody can put an all-star team together and win. That's, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like anyone can put an all-star team together and you're going to have success. Take guys who maybe aren't coming from the best programs or just don't have the same resources and teach them the game. Dude, there were summers where we just got our asses kicked. Right. I remember this one with a group of guys from 2014 who graduated. They spent two years of getting their dicks kicked in two years. Right. And that last summer, man, it all came together. We, we, we just were really, really good and ended up going three and one in Lake Placid, which is like the mecca of, of club lacrosse. And, you know, they had a wonderful experience. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. The experience. Can we learn? Can we get better? Do I leave club feeling good about myself? Because if you're paying $1,000 and you're coming home feeling shitty, you're not spending your, your money wisely or you're not getting what you, you should be getting out of it. Um, right. But it's, it's, it's a beast, dude. It's a beast. You go, all these club programs right now are about, can we get kids to division one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, we, oh, and if a D3 coach calls us, we're not going to answer. Okay, I know this because I'm the D3 coach who who calls some of these programs and just get big time, like I mentioned earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a machine right now. It's, it's an absolute machine. And, and, you know, some people are in it for the money. And some people are in it for the right reasons to develop. And, and those are the programs I really encourage kids to try to find. And, uh, dude, everybody wants to play for the top dog. Doesn't mean you're going D1. There's only 12 and a half D1 scholarships anyway. Not every school has it. Sorry, 12.6. That's it. It's that basketball headcount. Like, hey, there's yeah. 45 guys. You get 1,000. You get 1,000. You get 3,000. So we're all fighting for these full scholarships that don't exist instead of trying to get better trying to just get better, be a better person, be a better athlete and find the right school for you at the end of the day. Some of these guys don't go on to play in college. Hey, they want to go to UNH because it's a really good school. There's a varsity program and they're not interested in playing on a very good club team. Mm-hmm. They, that's not what they want. They want the education, but man, those four years they played club, they learned a lot. They learned a lot about themselves and about teamwork. That's what club should be about. But right. I think it's, I think for majority, it's the opposite. Yeah. No, basketball it's it's I don't know obviously I don't know um I don't know the lacrosse club uh you know like you do but basketball it's so bad with some of like some of the AAU dudes that all they all they give a shit about is oh he played one game for me at four years ago but guess what he was just third team all-american at (laughs) you know at Texas but he played for us. He's a, he's an, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet it out. Like now I've got some clout. And then, you know, some guy like me, D2, D3 coach, Hey, uh, see this guy on your, on your roster. Like, you know, looks like a D2 player. What have you? Oh no, coach, you, you, you wasting your time. He's going to the CAA. He's going to, he's going to the A10. Oh, that's frustrating. Like what, what are we talking about, man? Yeah. He's also, he's, he's, who's recruiting him at these schools. He's being, recruited by the any 10 or he's being recruited by right. you know the CACC which is the league I was in it's yeah there's a pretty big there's a lot of real estate there between those levels of D2 and the Correct. A10 you know and I'm doing shit with my hands right now this makes for bad, bad no, I like it it's, it's a good visual for me though <laughs> I understand um like these and speaking of getting big time I, I called I forget the program 
but I called and, and asked about a kid that ended up being like a borderline division. He, he was a borderline division three kid. He got a, he got a D2 scholarship late or whatever. He played for like, I don't know, team scan or something. I forget what they're called now out of New York. And I called the guy after seeing him at the tournament. I'm like, hey, like, I wanted to talk to you about this guy. And he laughed me off the phone. <laughs> You're at what level? You're a D3 school? <laughs> oh, man, why don't you try calling my B team coach? I'm like, and then click. I'm like, man, this is going to be a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, man, that's uh... – it's it's one of those things with the recruiting. Like everyone's got this vision in their head, like this vision of grandeur. Like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this big time school. Like, okay, you want to play at Duke? Like, first off, look at the roster size. So you literally need to be the best of the freaking best in order to get yourself on a roster like that to get recruited. So like, let's be realistic. And that's my number one thing. Like, guys, let's be realistic. I'm not telling you can't get to that level, but right now you don't even work out three times a week how do you think you're going to grow and get strong enough to play at that level and to, to make, make an impact on a field that right now to even be seen. And, and so it's, it's, let's be realistic about our goals. Let's have our reach schools. But God, like sometimes kids are like, Oh, D3, like, no, like there's some filthy D3 schools out there that will compete with D1 schools for yeah. lacrosse. Right. And, you're right. And the kids just need to know those opportunities. They, they need to understand they're out there and, and understand why they're playing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you're playing to have fun. No, definitely, man. A any, any, any uh, interesting or wild goose chase recruiting tales at all? <laughs> you know, not not really any wild recruiting tales. I mean, I, I I personally love the recruiting aspect. It's it's probably my favorite part of the coaching because you're building relationships, you're building your network. Because we're sitting there in 95 degrees with 120 other coaches, and you know, we're all looking at the same four freaking kids on the field. So. You know, you know, you're not going to get them, so I just cross them off when yeah. you know Johns Hopkins is next. To me. <laughs> but you get to you get to really build these networks, and you know, some of these tournaments will put you up at night. They'll have socials for you, so you get to go out with the coaches, and you know, you'll see the the young assistants who are 22, 23, 24 getting wild, and then the older guys, you know, like myself and older who are just kind of sitting back and enjoying it. But yeah. uh, nothing, no, nothing's like sticking out to me specifically. Just a lot of fun fun times on the, yeah, uh, on the yeah, recruiting yeah. trail for sure that, i didn't know that they did those those for you like socials and stuff we're oh, kind dude, of so, like in hoops we were kind of left to, to fend for oh, ourselves dude so some some event organizers do like uh flg for the love of the game out of long island they'll put on some showcases and man they feed us they pay you um and they put you up so like we would always stay at liu post um you know when they do the tournament there and you know sometimes you're you're coaching a team Sometimes you're not, but everyone's required to be on the sidelines and you still get a check. And so it's one of those things like, wow, they obviously value their kids and want their athletes to be exposed to coaches and they take care of us. Whereas other programs you go and um, eventually you'll go to, maybe you get a sandwich, yeah. <laughs> maybe you'll get a sandwich. Um, and you know this, man, you're yeah, yeah. poor coach. Like you, you want the free food, you want the free lodging. It just helps budget wise. Yeah, no, because I, I, I used to work. I used to work these camps for uh, for the hoop group in in Pennsylvania every summer, and I, I'd be shacked up at Albright College in Reading, and we'd be trying to, you know, we'd be trying to recruit there. It'd be, you know, you're working, you're coaching a team, you're refing games, and then at the end of the week, you get like a hundred, a couple hundred bucks. But it's like, yeah, we also saved several thousand on food and lodging right, for us right. to, for us to be here 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not great pay wise, but it helps you get by a little bit, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we, when, when we were working those, when we were working those things, we had, you know, we had coaches lounge or whatever, should sit around and, you know, swap war stories or, or whatnot, play some games, eat a bunch of food that was probably really terrible for you. You know, lots <laughs> yeah. of, we, we'd Pizza show bagels. up. Yeah. We'd, we'd show up and there'd be like 15 pepperoni pizzas and like two things of Buffalo wings. It's like, Oh yeah, go sick. You guys have had, yeah, and, then, dude. and at that point you're so miserable at the end of the day, you're like, Oh man, I got like, I got dead legs, like from running around. I'm chafing, like I'm out. Trot, of, trot. I'm trot, out trot of gold bond. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I'm just gonna sit down here. I'm gonna slap four slices of pizza and a shitload of wings on my plate, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna drink these, these light, you know, these light beers, these Michelob Ultras, and then I'm gonna go to they bed. They put out for us, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, dude. The vision I have, just pizza boxes stacked up, and you know, everyone's on the field, and all the coaches see the pizza's coming and we all just leave the field and go eat <laughs> forget recruiting it it's time to eat man and there some of it's usually pretty mundane unless something like big happened that day like oh man did you see this dude like occasionally there'd be like a, a high major player that would show up there and they would just hammer one on some like some poor unsuspecting non-scholarship kid uh, on like the yes. outdoor courts and it would end up on on sports center or, like, there would be, like, a fight or something. Like, oh, man, did you see the fight today? You didn't see the fight today? Let's talk about this fight yep. for the next 40 minutes before we go to bed, you know? <laughs> yeah, that 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 definitely happens, especially on the lacrosse field. You'll have some fights break out. But you're right. They are very mundane. Like, I actually – I really don't like going to these tournaments because the lacrosse isn't passionate. The games aren't they're, – they're not playing for pride or integrity. They're playing – a lot of these kids are playing knee ball right? Yeah. They're doing it for themselves. And they know I want to see T-ball. And that's why I love taking it back to earlier. I love going to high school games because you're playing with pride. You're playing for your town. You're playing with your boys, not to take anything away the club. Cause there's some club teams that have a great culture of winning. And, but at the end of the day, you're going back to your high school, like, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What's yeah. Most important. Exactly. Um, you know, and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of wrap it up here, man. I know, uh, I know you got to, you got to probably spend some time with, with your bride as, as well as, as well as I should with mine, you know, we've had, we've had, we've had four months together, man. Okay, <laughs> know, that's, that's a good point. But um, big, uh, big summer ahead. You were telling me before we came on, you just got a boat. How excited are you to go out on, on Sebago yeah. Lake? we got the 4th of July coming. Is it going to be in by then? Yeah. Yeah. We're picking up tomorrow and getting in the water and uh, Mindy and Dan are coming up this weekend and John and Missy. So yeah, we're getting in the, in the water and I'm excited having a little anxiety about trailering that thing around and backing it up into the lake. I've never done that before, but oh, yeah. we'll figure it out. We'll oh, figure yeah. it out. You'll have a great time, man. And I mean, especially you've, you've kind of got, you know, you've kind of got the summer off, you know, per se, like you can't kind of, you can't really go anywhere. So might as well go out on the lake with the boat, man. Exactly. We do have, I do have some tournaments that are actually going on, but it's really? like within, within like a, a 10 day time span, I'm going like five tournaments. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's we'll uh, see. I mean, they're all still on for now. I'm not sure what they're going to look like or how it's going to work, but I'm going yeah. because it's my job. And, and there's some kids that because we didn't have a spring season, I got to go see, but right. it's going to be fun regardless. We're going to have a great time this summer. Right. No, man, that'll be, that'll be great. Um, you know, good for you. Hopefully, hopefully this passes. Uh, obviously, we want it to pass sooner rather than later, so we can get back to some semblance yeah. of 
of real life and normalcy and, you know, you, you get to get back out on the field and, and coach, you know, a bunch of dudes that, you know, you're trying to win some games, man. Um, Just a bunch of dudes being bros on the field. I miss it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> miss that. Um, but no, but Bill, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Um, you know, I hope you had a, hope you had a good time chatting with me. I had a good time chatting with you, dude. Yeah, it was great. I really hope you have a, a large audience of coaches or they're not going to really enjoy this podcast very much. <laughs> hey, some, some, I got a, I got a bunch of different, uh, a bunch of different people from a bunch of different walks of life that have, that have listened to it so far. So, um, you know, feel free to feel free to pass it along. Anything to plug any social media or anything like that? No, man. I mean, nothing to plug. I'm not going to do a shameless plug. Roll Monks, if you want to read about the program and our, our athletic teams, gomonks.com. That's about it. But, you know, we're, we're a lot like Steve Kerr and Pete Carroll and the flying coach, man. It's it's a great podcast if you haven't listened to it. But, uh, dude, they're un- it's unbelievable. Um, so I'm really, really grateful you had me on the show and uh, got to talk about some stuff that I'm passionate about. And uh, hopefully people enjoy it. Yeah, And man. if not, I don't care. I enjoyed it. Yeah, whatever. Hey, it's a passion project, man. We're here having a good time. That's it, man. That's it. Do what you do what you love, even if there's no money in it, like coaching or doing podcasts. Yeah, exactly, man. Well, well, great to have you on, Bill. Um, you know, I appreciate you taking some time out of uh, out of your schedule to chat with me. Um, you know, follow follow the podcast on uh, at HCTB Pod uh, on Instagram and Twitter. If uh, if you're listening, if you're listening. So. Um, Bill. Hey, hey, to interject just before you yeah. go, how'd, yeah, you yeah, come yeah. Up, how'd you come up with a name for your podcast? I've been sitting there. I'm like, I, I just think it's, I think it's a ridiculous phrase. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it it's just like the most ridiculous phrase to say like, why, you know, my, right. uh, uh, my, my buddy Steve that I had on a couple, a uh, couple of weeks ago, he, um, he worked for this dude down in, down in North Carolina. And every time like something would go around, he'd go, Oh, Stephen, how can this be? How can this be? So, so he and I would be, you know, he and I would call each other in like the middle of the night on our way back from God knows where, some random outpost of society. And anytime we'd we'd tell some ridiculous story where something odd happened at the end of it, each of us would just go, "Oh man, how can this be? Like, what? What do you mean? You know? Like, so I was just like, yeah, you know." It's kind of nonsensical. I might as well just name it something. So here we are. How could you know what? I, I might have to start adapting that much like, uh, you know, hello from Seinfeld with Jerry. I think hello. I might have, how could this be? What does it all mean, Basil? <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> la, la, la. Hello. Oh, God, we, I that show. We, we gotta, we gotta get you. We'll, we'll do this again and we'll only talk Seinfeld. All right. Oh man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We can I do love that. it. Oh, if we man. can mix in the office too with Seinfeld, we'd have 40 hours of, of fun. Yeah, let's let's talk. We'll talk office. We'll talk Seinfeld. We'll talk anything else. You know, we'll we'll do a non-sports one. We'll just talk about we'll just talk about it. that stuff. I, I, I would I, love to. Yes, I would love to just dive deep into the characters of Seinfeld. They're really just drill down on. I mean, obviously Costanza and, and you know, in my opinion, one of the greatest characters of, of television history. Oh, one hundred percent. He's he's the best. He's he's neurotic. He's all of us at our at our worst. You know, <laughs> he's a he's psychopath, pathological liar. Yep. Pathological liar. Listen, I was in the pool, Jerry. I was Jerry, in the pool. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> How about? 
making a donation to the human fund unbelievable oh my god i my my brother a couple a uh, couple christmases ago got me a miniature festivus pole oh my god that came with the little little green index cards that said a donation has been made in your name to the human fund that's unbelievable human fund. money for people oh. and i i brought it in and i handed them out at work when i you know when i got a real job and you know worked the 9 to 5 here and everybody oh. was like what the hell is this i was like well, I, uh, I don't really know how to explain it. Do you watch Seinfeld? <laughs> you know, you say it, it's all too real, and I'll prove it to you if I have to. <laughs> oh, man. Well, ne right. next time, Bill, we'll, uh, we'll, pull the, uh, we'll get the pole out of the crawl space. I know you find tinsel distracting. Have some feats of strength. That'll be great. <laughs> yeah, airing we'll, of grievances. The airing of the grievances. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, maybe we'll even go down to uh, maybe we'll even go down to the bagel shop and roll some dough. Oh, stop it! I love it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look. Right, thanks man. again. Take care. Tell Kara I said hello. Yeah, thanks, man. You too. Tell Margo I said hello. You got it. All right, take All right. care, man. See ya.